The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny, Sestina, and company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan, and joining me on today's show is Craig Konstantinovich and John Sestina. We are all certified financial planners. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. How about you? Good. Did you get your vaccine yet, John? I did. I got the first shot. All I right. Get the second shot till I come back from Florida. All right. And when you get it, we we look forward to uh, seeing you in person here in the studio. Oh, I'm happy to come now. Oh. <laughs> John's been gearing up and ready to go. <laughs> right, right. We've been yeah, we've been we've been, been worried. Right. We've been kicking you out and saying no, you can't come. <laughs> but, I know you're terrified. Of me. Yeah. All right. So, but we look forward to uh, you being here in person uh, around the corner. Um, the other thing, beautiful weather. Oh, yeah. Right? Winter has broke. Uh, eh, kind of. <laughs> right? We're in the 40s now. We got daylight savings around the corner, spring, spring equinox. Things are good. Things are good. One of my favorite times, this is one of my favorite time of years for those reasons. Uh, just a little story time. I was in Indiana last weekend on my sister and brother-in-law, and they have a farm uh, by Lafayette, Indiana, and we made maple syrup. Ooh. You know anything about maple syrup? Other than oh, yeah, it tastes good. delicious. Yeah, it tastes delicious. <laughs> so the process itself is pretty cool because, you know, you, the hard, it, it's a long day. We did, it was about 18 hours. Wow. Right. So start at 6 a.m., went past midnight. It was a long day. Uh, the sap comes out of the trees. It's almost like a liquid, like a water. Mm-hmm. It's clear water, if for lack of a better term, and you just boil it down. Really? And you boil and you boil and you boil. <laughs> you put wood in the fire. I was in charge of the fire. Uh, 40 gallons of sap equals one gallon of syrup. Holy oh, cow. my goodness. Yeah. So we had over 500 gallons of sap and we did a lot of, I burned a lot of firewood. So you rolled all that sap up to the house to have it boiled then, right? Yeah, no, you got to collect it, right? And the collection <laughs> happened for the weeks in advance. You can't, it, it goes bad too, so you can't do it too early. Oh so gosh. it's it's a process. Yeah. And, and you, you collect the sap. So that Friday night we were pumping it into the main uh, vat. And the vat is like 350, 400 gallons. And then throughout the day, we collected another round on Saturday, but we were boiling all day, boiling. And uh, the outcome, we got about 12 to 13 gallons of syrup. It was a very productive day. And my brother-in-law and sister and their family, they are doing it all again this weekend. But the work, it's funny because the work doesn't stop. It just is nonstop. It goes and goes and goes. And the outcome is when you get your syrup. Yeah. So a lot like a financial plan, right, John? (laughs) The hard work. I know why they call it sap. (laughs) (laughs) yeah so there's a lot of hard work between chopping the firewood throughout the summer to tapping the trees uh the boiling is actually the easy part but there's there's labor all the way around and the outcome is sweet and that's hopefully what this show will bring people is a sweet outcome to their financial plan. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> nice right? little tie in. Yeah. So. Getting kind of clever there, Steve. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I thought I'd share people 40 gallons of sap, one gallon of syrup. That's why it costs so much when yeah. you see good maple syrup. It's, oh, yeah. it's expensive. 
the labor-intensive process, and so is the financial plan. Uh, quick update on 2020 tax returns. People are starting to file your 2020 tax returns. John, there's a new question that's going to be on your tax return this year Uh-oh, for 2020. What? At any time during 2020, did you receive, sell, send, exchange, or otherwise acquire any financial interest in any virtual currency? <laughs> yes or no question. Well, they can't I tell, see. right? <laughs> they want to know. <laughs> the IRS wants to know. Of course they do. If you did any of that, uh, they are tracking. It's real, mm-hmm. right? They they have the, uh, an interest in it. And, and the irony is if you think you're going to get away with it, you're, you're committing perjury if you lie uh, in your tax Stephen, return. They're just going to go to Google and have them, you know, uh, look into your account and tell them. Maybe one day, like they did with Swiss, yep. the Swiss bank's accounts, right? Yeah. So, so just be cautious, uh, be honest about it, consult mm-hmm. with your accountant. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to pay taxes, but if you did exchange or sell, yeah, you've got to report that income. You've got to report it in proper terms. But the, the IRS is now fully engaged in cryptocurrency, and uh, it's out there now. But I thought the whole goal of cryptocurrencies was to, you know, have privacy, secrecy, not be able to track my transactions, all those kind of yeah, things. Yeah, it was so, a black market transaction, right? I, when did you believe that there were still any privacies, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I learned very quickly that privacy is something that even in the bathroom these days you don't always get. So, <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, speaking of privacy, the other one I, article that I read was about Google. Uh, you know, and I'm 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 like Google, and I go to search for maybe running shoes or walking shoes, or maybe maybe look at a new new what 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 are the new models of cars out there? Yeah. And all of a sudden, the advertising just pops up endlessly for weeks on end. And I got suckered with it one time. I was I think I was looking at walking shoes or running shoes for when I go for my walks, and for weeks and weeks and weeks, this advertising just can't, and sure enough, I clicked on it one day. <laughs> I bought it. Uh, it, oh. it does work, but Google says they're getting away from tracking your uh, browse history yeah and and uh relaying that to third parties and all that kind of fun stuff here so who knows steven you may have to actually do the research for your walking shoes now well i do the research <laughs> it's just when i don't pit, uh, pull the trigger and I buy know. it right i don't want to be reminded why i didn't buy it for weeks on end uh, but yeah it's it's a fascinating and and i don't think many people realized it until a couple years ago how they know oh, right yeah. the google the google knows well it's you know we we joke about it you know even in our back office when uh, when we're back there sometimes there's comments that we make or you know things like that that we're talking about and all of a sudden one of the you know one of us pulls up her phone and one of the ads that we see is randomly just <laughs> linked to what it was we were talking about it's two, scary. three days ago. Absolutely scary. And it's like, well, I mean, it makes sense. Thanks for giving me that insight. But I'm not looking for apple cider vinegar right now. But thanks for the insight <laughs> right, anyways. Right. And who were you talking to, uh, to about apple cider vinegar? But nonetheless, <laughs> that's a different question. So Google says they are going to phase that out. And I think that's a good thing uh, just to give people a little bit of a relief there. Uh, some other news in European uh, news, the banks in Germany are telling customers to go away. Which Craig, is just Craig, give me some updates there. Why <laughs> is Germany t- telling or the banks in Germany telling their customers to go away? Yeah. So, again, I know the, the thought has been floated out there here in the States, but the European Union has been underneath negative interest rates. So you have to pay, in essence, to have a savings account, a checking account, to have your money with a bank. That's what we're talking about here. So there for a while, Germany banks were able to stomach that. They were able to take that on themselves, not have to ask uh, their customers to actually pay those expenses. But 
based off of the pandemic, based off of everything else that they were seeing with the uh, continuous stimulus and trying to keep everyone afloat, they are literally advertising on websites how to get the money out of the bank and where else to put it because they don't want to continue to keep cash on their on their books because of what the European Union's charging them in order to keep that money on their books. Yeah, the European Central Banks are are charging the the smaller banks negative interest. Yeah, and the the so and and savings rates have skyrocketed in in Europe mm-hmm. or in Germany for that matter. And uh, so yeah, they're in a bit of a quandary. John, do you charge your customers? Uh, no, never. No. <laughs> so so if you so if you had to uh, pay money on a savings account, you would be okay with it. Well, in fact, this is old news in my banks, uh, Stephen, because. Many, many years ago, uh, when I was using Swiss bank accounts, they had negative interest, and you had to pay to keep your money there. So the rest of Europe is just catching up as the demand has increased. Yeah, and so the, and we may see it here in this country mm-hmm. at some point in time. Now we're starting to see interest rates creep back up, which I think is a good thing. Uh, but I, we haven't gotten to the savings rate yet increasing. But the 10-year, we talked a little bit on uh, last week's show about it. The uh, 10-year Treasury is is increasing, and maybe it'll get to the point where the Fed will increase short-term rates as well. Uh, that would be good as a tool to just give a little bit of a buffer in case we do hit some harder times here with the economy. Well, when we come back, we're going to discuss uh, your job and, and job options for your financial plan and how that may relate to you in the coming years. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan, and we thank all the listeners for tuning in. And today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about your job, uh, sources of income, where where work may lead, and should you be a contractor or an employee. Uh, a couple weeks ago, before we get into that, a couple weeks ago, we talked a little bit on this show about legendary uh, radio hosts um, who passed away. I forget Rush Limbaugh. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> and because I have this other gentleman on my screen here who we also lost, who's a legendary talk show host, Larry King. He mm-hmm. passed away, and now that's come to um, light that there's a little bit of controversy in the family. You think? Yeah, because <laughs> Mr. King, he he was married many many times, yep. uh, had many children through different marriages, and apparently at the last minute, or I guess a couple years ago, I should say October of 2019. He hand wrote a will and signed it. It was it was uh, witnessed. I don't think it didn't say anything about notarized. But now his surviving spouse is contesting it. Of course, right? Because now here it comes. It's about money. Yeah, and absolutely. the estate of somebody who has a lot of wealth. Uh, John, you've never seen anything like this before, right? Never seen it before. <laughs> I mean, when I was in uh, Miami a few years ago, I went to a restaurant. And right behind me, this Rolls Royce pulled up, and this 200-year-old man stepped out of it. <laughs> he walked around to the passenger door and opened the door for a 25-year-old girl who was his arm candy. Never saw this before. Never. Steve. It's impossible. <laughs> Unpossible. So, yeah, so his, so Larry King's wife, Sean, is contesting it. And ironically, he wrote his will to his surviving children, which some of a couple of the children are with her, so her 
children as well. And this is all going through the courts in L.A. right now because he had he had an estate plan done in 2015. He wrote a handwritten will in 2019, which will stick. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what they're debating, which one was legitimate. So I guess the, the moral to the story is get your estate plan or estate in order. Yep. Um, obviously, maybe he wanted to hide something that he maybe felt something different, which is fine, yeah. but do it, maybe do it through an attorney. Oh, absolutely. Right? I, it just astonishes me because I'm just thinking even in, in recent years, and I know, you know, Steve and John, you probably have far more examples than this, but I think back Michael Jackson, Prince, Larry King now, all of these, you know, high affluent people that you would think, hey, they've got, you know, complete estate plans, they've got a financial plan on track, blah, 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 and all of a sudden here we are realizing that the world starts to crumble underneath their feet after their deaths because they either didn't have things buttoned up, they changed their mind at the last minute, or they just decided, eh, well, I'll let someone else worry about that. Yeah. And it just being that that's the whole reason why I'm here, that's the whole reason why I do financial planning, I, I can't even fathom the idea that I could leave behind a mess like this for someone to handle. If I die, I hope that the most important thing is that you're grieving, worrying about, hey, here's the legacy that you left behind, not yeah, what are we going to do with this stuff, or how can we get the most out of his estate? Right, that's always a problem, and no one thinks about it, because as you're living life and you're so busy, you know, you have so many things to do, it never, you know, you don't have time to do it, and that's a real challenge for most people, because that's where the messes are created, when you're not considerate about your own affairs, or your own health, or your own exercise, or whatever you want to pick, that's where trouble comes. And I will say during the uh, pandemic, though, I it was uh, ironic that I I saw a lot more estate plans get completed than ever before. Yep. And it took a pandemic. I don't know if it was because people had time in their hand or maybe they felt a little bit more vulnerable. In my or, experience. Or a combination of both. <laughs> or, or they realized that they were impacted by it negatively by maybe a family member not having their estate documents in good order. So it, yeah. it's really all three of them, unfortunately. But... Yeah, it's it's wild. It took a pandemic for everyone to realize, eh, maybe I should get this done or make this a priority. Yeah, and as I like to say, it's always best to do your estate plan when things are in good order. Yep. You're healthy, uh, not not when times are dire. Maybe you get diagnosed with an illness of some kind, and then your your mortality is at the front of your mind. If and if that is the case, then you can focus on the important things, mm-hmm. not the estate plan. Exactly. And so that's that's why I generally. Uh, I say that to people is get it done right away when things are good, not when things are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here's so that's just another food for thought there in the world of entertainment. I, I hope my guardian is in charge of all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta be careful, right? <laughs> so, all right, good. So, uh, we're going to talk a little bit on today's show about the workplace yeah. and people's employment, how may, things may change, and what we we noticed or starting to see is an adjustment on the work week itself. And Craig, what did, what did you find there? Yeah, so it, it's interesting to see because everyone's used to, hey, I work, you know, the normal business hours, Monday through fi- Friday, 9 to 5. Well, now there's more and more countries, there's a larger movement that's pushing towards, eh, maybe that work-life balance is more important than people realize. What if we were to change things and make it, now hold on here, a four-day work week as opposed to a five-day work week? Mm-hmm. And all this study is around, okay, well, you know, during this pandemic, people made significant adjustments. They went from working in an office, working around copious people, to now they're working at home, 
around their spouse, their children, whomever else may be in the household, and they're realizing that maybe if we gave them more time away from working, less of an obligation there, maybe we could actually get more out of them as an employee and then also employ other people to maybe work those days that they're not working. So it, it's it's a very interesting concept here, and, and I know right now at least there's three major countries that have bills or proposals to kind of push this through, at least for government employees, but I think we're going to start to see this gain momentum and, and start to rapidly grow here. Well, there's several fallacies in that, Greg. Mm-hmm. And number one, you said federal, they're federal employees. Yeah. And, uh, key word. There's a key word there. <laughs> they don't work in the first place, so they don't Ouch. have to worry about it. Ouch. <laughs> it's getting hot under the collar here already. <laughs> I know. We'll get hate mail. What the heck? I will anyway. But <laughs> So that's the first part. And the second part is, which countries were they? Yeah. You will note they were all European countries, well, no U.S. countries. Well, Correct. there's only one U.S. country, but I get your point. Yeah, I, so I get your point. One. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and in Europe, I mean, uh, I was in Spain when I came to know what manana really means. Oh, yeah. And it means whenever. <laughs> and so we went to go to dinner, and it was like 7 o'clock at night, and we go to the restaurant, and they weren't even open yet. So we had to come back at nine, ten o'clock at night before we could have our wonderful, uh, what was it, uh, I can't think of it, paella, paella. Yep. in uh, Mallorca. And then we had this wonderful dinner, but they eat that early, late, and of course they also have fiesta time. So there's a lot of traditions here. This, the, the, I was a little distraught with this article because their focus, I think, was on the wrong place. Then you have to think about Americans. I mean, do you work a four-day work week, Stephen? Uh, probably close. I'm always thinking about work 24-7. So. Exactly. I think so. Right? That's right. Yeah. You're probably working. How about you, Craig? You're at the office like at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> close to it. 5 o'clock. I roll out of the cot in my office at oh, 5. okay. So, so 5 o'clock then. <laughs> so, but that, but you, are, you are indicative of what most Americans are. We tend to be workers. That's always been the case for the United States. And so these other countries are always looking for ways, I think, to ease off of the workforce. But U.S. people, we, we, you know, we're workaholics. We get things done. That's one of the reasons our country leads in most, in most markets, because we are hard workers. That, and that's exactly it, right? The, 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 this country was built on labor and sweat and, and a lot of hard work and dedication to the workforce. So it is, it is interesting that we're seeing Europe go there. And I don't know if it'll track, but I am. We are going to talk a little bit about this uh, policy and how it may change in this country in the years to come. When we come back from the break, here you're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. And joining me on today's show is Craig Konstantinovich and John John Sestina. We are all certified financial planners. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about John E. Sestina and company and the Managing to be Wealthy process, you can look us up on the web at managingtobewealthy.com or call our office on Bethel Road at 614 
326-3077. And just a little bit of a special announcement. We have, we are putting together a, uh, it's a webinar of some kind, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's an educational uh, virtual session Mm -hmm. on how to build a financial plan. Obviously on this show, we try to educate or give insight on different perspectives of your financial plan and economics. And we want to take it a a bit deeper um, and maybe give people a little bit of a tool on how to build their own financial plan, a little bit more hands-on for themselves. So if you're interested, we're going to have more information on that in the coming weeks. And uh, we do know it is a successful um, program. And I, John, I'll go back 20 years ago. I sat in on a few of your classes you used to, used to teach at night. Yep, did it at OSU for years and years. And uh, we had a lot of people say that they gained a lot of information. Yeah, I ran into a gentleman uh, maybe three three years ago, four years ago, and and he's like, oh, I center my financial plan around this book I bought back in the early '90s, written by a local guy. Name is John Sestina. <laughs> I said, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> so it, it, yeah, it's it's a good hands-on approach, and we use we use the managing to be wealthy book as a as a basically a program, mm-hmm. right? A, a, a less tutorial book. So. Uh, Share that with your friends and family for those who are interested. Well, we were talking a little bit about labor, uh, Europe going to a potential 32-hour work week. Part of that article said Japan was in that. And I know, yeah. John, you you were saying that we were talking about how the U.S. workforce is very dedicated and very hardworking, sometimes too much, right? There's mm-hmm. that balance between work and, and life. Uh, I was a little – I was sh- surprised Japan was a part of that. I know. And to even hear uh, – what's that word? I, they the Japanese actually have a word or a phrase for someone who overworks themselves or works themselves to death. So, talk about a Kiroshi. Kiroshi, there yeah. you go. But you think about that. I mean, there's a lot of people at this point that are trying to find that work life balance and that are kind of reassessing things as part of this pandemic. To the point where I've even heard mutterings or the idea floated around of having a four day work week with a floating workday option. So going from four workdays to five workdays as opposed to that floating holiday idea. Um, so I think, you know, like we said, there's going to be a lot of change as a result from this pandemic, but I, I think employment as a whole, we're going to see a lot more flexibility, which we're going to touch a little bit more on here. Uh, we're going to see a lot more options that are available. And hey, if you want to continue to to live the American mantra and you know work five, six, seven days a week, by all means, you'll have that right. But for those people that maybe want to unplug after four days and say, hey, I put in my work here, I'm good. That that may be an option, too. And I think we're going to see this as a societal change in our country, too. And it's not necessarily a 32-hour work week for somebody in their 20s and 30s. But I mm-hmm. think as people get closer to retirement, I'm hoping, I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm hoping companies are there to help people transition into retirement. Absolutely. And maybe a reduced work week of three days a week. Yeah. Uh, obviously, with less pay, uh, the, the cost of benefits will be a challenge, but mm-hmm. maybe with the Medicare system can come into play there because statistics show that the baby boomer uh, generation statistically is not financially prepared for retirement. Mm-hmm. And that might be a good balance to keep people working a little bit and find that that happy medium for them to continue to work, get a little bit of income and also transition into retirement. Yeah. And, and even in recent months here, I've had several people that have said, hey, I'm ready to broach retirement. But again, retirement, it means to you what it means to you. It's not going to be the same for everyone. So these people in, in particular, they've said, I can't just shut it off. I'm never going to be able to say, hey, I'm just completely done. I'm not thinking. I'm not working. I'm not doing something. 
So they've actually reached out to their company or, you know, others that were in the same field. They've said, hey, could I do consulting work two, three days a week, even if it's just for five hours a day or something like that? And more times than not, yeah, bring your expertise, give us your experience. So that's been a very interesting adjustment. And like you said, I think that's something we're going to continue to see is we may have more of those contractors and consultants have that line of work continue to grow, but maybe that be kind of the pseudo retirement as opposed to the full on retirement we're used to. The the other the other side of it, as you said, is that what I'm concerned about is when I hear from people, what well, I don't want to bring it up in mm-hmm. conversation could out of fear of being let go. Yeah. And that that to me is troubling. Uh if somebody has that feel, uh, that emotion of concern about their employer saying, okay, if you want to retire, you're, you're retired. Yeah. Right. So that's to me is a little bit of a concern, but we're going to talk a little bit about contractor work versus employee work, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you can transition them to a contract. I don't know if they would allow it, but if it is possible transition to a project-based environment, contractor work and project-based uh, contract, and then you don't have to provide the benefits uh, which is one of the things, but hopefully we can come to a balance here in, in our workforce that allows some people who are maybe past age 65 to continue to work a little bit. You hear that, John? Well, you have to consider there are different, you know, different kinds of jobs, too. I mean, if you're a guy on a factory line, uh, you're not going to be able to negotiate that, well, I want to work, you know, three days a week mm-hmm. as I float into retirement. You guys are used to talking to people who are pretty much in control of their own destiny. They're there are doctors and lawyers and executives and people who have some influence over their own position. So we have to recognize that there's two tiers here, and we have to be aware that those people who don't have that power need some assistance in this transition if there is one. But that, And that's my point, is, is the companies need to come up with that concepts or philosophies. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the ability to ask for it, but to, the ability for a company to provide it. Right. A retirement work schedule. And the hard part is the benefits aspect. Oh, 100%. Right. Whether because the cost to people don't realize what it costs to be employed. So we actually went through that with someone and, and looked at it, and they astonishingly came to realize for the retirement plan they needed, the health insurance for their family, for everything else, they almost had to earn double what their, actually sal- their actual salary was. Double. Yeah. A- and it's strictly for those benefits and what was being offered there. But yeah, that's that's a big hurdle. But to flip it, the company's paying basically matching 100% of their salary exactly. to other benefits. What even just look at the FICA tax alone. Oh yeah, right, seven and a half, little over seven and a half percent of tax alone from from your wages. Yep. So I just think that's something the uh, workforce or companies will have to discover is maybe there is a happy balance there. Uh, what we talk to people about, and John, you mentioned it when we're talking to a, a an executive per se is that financial independence, mm-hmm. right? If you've reached that point of financial independence and you're choosing to work versus having to work, you have the power to walk in and say, hey, can I have a reduced work week at a reduced wage? And that gives you a nice freedom there to have the ability to ask that question in case the answer is no. Right. And then you can say, okay, you can decide whether you want to stick around or if they get rid of you, you're okay too because you're financially independent. Well, and we're talking about a major transition that's happened in history. We've got when the country was uh, new, everyone worked for him or herself. They had their shop or their knitting place or their whatever. And now we've been gearing people more and more and more to becoming employees. And as employees, they've lost some freedoms because they have to bend to the 
whims of the corporation that they're serving, which could be good and bad. So it's a whole new perspective and transition of the mindset of America. You know me, I'm the guy who says you should be self-accountable and uh, don't be relying on the government or the corporation or whomever. You need to rely on yourself. So make yourself as independent as possible. And yeah, so we're coming up on a break here and we're going to continue this discussion here on the workplace and what may be in years to come. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. Today's show, we're talking a little bit about the workforce, uh, how things may transition in the years to come, and how to transition maybe into retirement. Before we go there, I was having a conversation. I read an article, actually, about uh, somebody who, it was from an advisor who met a person who kept calling him, just picking his brain for advice. And the advisor was saying he never they, he never wanted to pay for my services, but he was always interested in my opinion. Yep. And over time, he finally said, listen, I, I've got to dedicate my time to my paying clients. Can't help you. Uh, but years later, he received a phone call from the, the gentleman who over time was was uh, contacting him. And he was he was on his deathbed. And he basically was asking, I was, you're the only person I've ever trusted, even though he never really engaged in his services. Mm-hmm. And he wanted his wife to work with him because he was the he was the financial plan, right? He was the financial planner for the household. And that's always goes back to what I like to say is everybody needs a financial plan. Yep. Not everyone needs to pay a financial planner to do it. A lot of people have done it on their own, which is great. But that succession plan is so critical to make sure that all parties within the family, whoever, whoever is responsible or dependent upon the plan itself, there is an internal succession plan. is a very, very important part of the financial planning process. Yeah, and that's where, I, I, John, the footprint that you had left behind and the process that you have laid out, you know, we make it very aware to everyone that's involved here. We want both spouses to be involved in every single meeting if possible. Now, scheduling life sometimes gets in the way of that, but that's why we always keep everyone copied on the same emails, try to communicate to both parties, because you never know at that point what's going to happen. And we even go so far as to welcome children in instances to come in and understand what's going on with the financial plan. So that way, if God forbid that fateful day comes, they know who we are. They, you know, again, before COVID everything, and now with the Zoom meetings, they know a face that they can recognize, a voice that's familiar, those kind of things. So it's a uh, succession planning is key to everything in life. You're right. And uh, especially as the children get older, it's a good idea to bring them into the plan with the father and the mother so they can discuss everything. I mean, why did you leave, you know, this thing to Joe and not to me? Even those kind of things will help a lot in the transition of estates. And, and the transparency is usually where the break or lack of transparency is usually where the breakdown occurs in families. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and, and the kids may become a part of that estate plan, right? Originally, it's probably siblings, maybe neighbors, aunts, uncles, whoever it is. But eventually it goes down the ladder, too, to the next generation below. So having an educated 
generation below you is very, very important. And I just thought it was an interesting article talking about that perspective. And I, it triggered in my head about that in that succession plan within the financial plan. Oh yeah. Very, very important. So, all right. So we were talking earlier in the show about the new future workforce, but there was a trend uh, in 2020 due to lovely COVID-19 <laughs> that occurred in this country. Craig, what did you find there? Yeah. So what, what we found is that a lot of times the traditional employee or employer employee relationship kind of got blown up. I mean, you think about it right now, even before COVID, you had Uber, thus Uber Eats, you had DoorDash, you had all of these delivery services, all of these other things that started to come together where you had people that were part of a company, but they could kind of pick and choose when it was that they wanted to work or how exactly they worked. And so this gig idea is basically just saying, hey, instead of being required to be you know, at this specific location during this specific time, what if we gave you a little bit more flexibility? We allowed you to pick your schedule. We allowed you to pick your hours as far as where you were, what you were doing at that point, but you were still accountable for meeting certain criteria. And that's kind of this gig idea is, hey, you may have certain jobs or certain things that you could do, but you're not necessarily just captive to one company. You could do multiple things for multiple employers, but you're not gonna be under their umbrella or protected by their employer shield no, you're just going to do that project and you're done. So you're, what we're seeing is side gigs, yeah. right? And that's something that's it's interesting. Uh, I, I've heard people since the COVID shut down a lot of the certain industries that people, while they were still employed, went and they were Uber drivers, as you said, yeah. right? While they were still working for their normal career job and just to get some, just something to do, right? right? To, to kill that boredom of being locked inside. So you saw Uber Uber Eats, mm -hmm. uh, DoorDash, real, real popular. So we're starting to see that. The, the challenge, John, you mentioned this is with the independent contractors. The independent contractors is a fantastic approach because you are basically a small business, but the yep. IRS does not like that. That's true, right? That's for sure. We went through that in the office when everyone was an independent contractor. And then the IRS came in and said, no, they could not be, and that's because of their regulations. So we had to switch it over to where people are employees. But that is a challenge. You know, it's, it's a better deal, in my opinion, for everyone to be an independent contractor. After all, that's how the country started. Everyone was his own man. Everyone was self-sufficient. And the independent contractor is someone who is self-sufficient. So if we could move to that, Uber's away and all those other things you named, but if we could move to that in all aspects, what if you didn't have a job with a company, but you worked on your basis as a consultant or an independent contractor? Mm -hmm. How and that's, would that be? Right. And that's, you could work for more than one company. Exactly. And like one of the more popular ones in the recent years is the social media. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you If you had four different companies you were running the social media aspect for, you were an independent consultant, mm -hmm. independent contractor. You got four 1099s. But the beauty of it is now there's some negatives to it. You have to pay, as we mentioned earlier, the FICA tax. You have to pay both ends. Yep. Uh, but the benefits are you get to deduct your business expenses. 100%. Right? Whether it's your cell phone, because you need your cell phone to make those contact calls. Your home office, where home, you right. happen to have you know, your fancy computer chair, the brand new computer that you just bought, the internet that you include there. You may even be able to go so far as, hey, some of the water, the electric bills. That I, if I'm not at home, I'm not going to be creating those expenses. So maybe that's a deductible expense. Well, you know, the caveat is you 
confirm that with your accountant. Exactly. That's why I said maybe. <laughs> maybe you, was you, the underlying. You're, you're pushing the envelope there a little bit. Uh, you, but the the important thing is that you're you're you have those options. But you look at the people who are forced to work from home. Mm-hmm. How many of them were able to duck their internet expense this year? Right. Right. We're seeing the workforce move to the home office from a W two wage, but all of a sudden, all the computer, all everything, it's now, it's not deductible. Right. And that's, I don't know if that's necessarily fair. That should be a company paid or company deductible expense. Right. And that, that goes back to your point, Stephen, of, you know, not only those deductible expenses, but the biggest one here, the, the benefits that are being offered. I mean, you look at health insurance right now as the, the first one that comes to everyone's mind. But we right now in America rely on our employers to have group benefits or options that are available. Now, we have had some recent uh, laws that have been passed for multiple groups or being a part of an association where you could get some group rates there, but still health insurance, disability insurance, which is something that most people don't even think about buying personally, life insurance, retirement plans, all these things. If you become an independent contractor, you're footing the bill 100% for it. But if you've got an employer that's offering those, and eh, maybe you only have to pay a fraction of the premium or the expense for those benefits. And hey, even with the 401k plan or the 403b, you may get some employer match or them saying, hey, good job, way to continue to save for retirement. We'll give you a little extra on top for it. Well, now all of a sudden you're you're the employer. You've got to contribute that money too. Yeah. Then I would say the number we're closing up here in the last uh, minute or so here. I would say, John, I know over the years, and you would agree with me, but um, we're not going to be able to hear your retort is number one thing is probably your own independence. You get to work for yourself and you answer to yourself. And at the end of the day, if you're successful, that's all that matters. Is that correct? That's right. Yep. So hopefully good show today. Share with your friends and family. You can listen to us on iTunes. Tell your Alexa, play the Managing to be Wealthy podcast. Tune in next week. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.